up, everybody? Welcome to the latest, greatest episode of the Nesson After Hours podcast. I am Emerson Latzia. You are Sealy Godwin. Correct. It's cold. It is snowy outside, but we are here in our warm, friendly confines of people's ears because we have a great podcast today. Yeah. Uh, I wish we were talking about a little bit... Uh... Better note when it comes to the Boston Celtics, uh, 14 and 14 have fallen from fourth to fifth in the Eastern Conference. And outside of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, I don't know how many positives we can find right now, but we are going to try and we're going to try to sort this out with the Boston Globe's Gary Washburn. Good morning. We appreciate you joining us uh, here on Friday. Uh, First of all, just give me your overall thoughts on what we're seeing right now with the Celtics. I think you're seeing a team that's still trying to find itself. that still isn't completely healthy and hasn't been all year and decimated by COVID. But there's a lot of teams in that situation, so there's no excuses. Kimball Walker has been inconsistent. Marcus Smart's been out now a couple of weeks. Uh, and a lot of the, the load has been placed on the shoulders of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. And even though they're both young guys, 24 and 22, respectively, um, they're going to wear out if this continues. Um, The roster just is not a championship caliber roster. Uh, They have a lot of holes, a lot of young guys put in positions where uh, they're probably not going to succeed, thrown in a situation where they're just going to have to try to make it work. And that probably shouldn't, shouldn't be, shouldn't be this way. Uh, there was some decisions made over the last several months and years to kind of set this up. So now Danny Ainge has got to try to clean up the mess. Well, Gary, how did we get here? How did we arrive at this point? Because expectations were sky high for this team. Well, I think one, uh, it was, I think everyone expected, I don't think everyone expected Jalen and Jason to take such a big step, especially Jalen. Um, but that's been obviously a pleasant surprise. Uh, we thought Kimball Walker would come back and return to the form that he did the first half of last year when he made the All-Star team. That hasn't happened. Marcus Smart's been hurt. Uh, he's had to turn into more of a point guard with Kimba out. And then the bench has just been, you know, not – has just been kind of a mess. I mean, I think everyone – but it was like that last year. They, they just don't have veteran guys who come off the bench. I mean, there's reasons why guys like, let's say, Garrett Temple – or stay in the league because they know their roles. They come out, they're professionals. They know what to do. That's why they stay, guys stay in the league 34, 35 years old because they know their role. They play their minutes. They know exactly what to do, what not to do. The Celtics, you, you, they're making, they're trying to make guys like that out of Jimmy Ojale, who's 24, 25. Like, they're trying to make young guys into these really accomplished, polished role players, and it's not worked. It hasn't worked at all. Jeff Teague has not worked out at all. I think people thought uh, that he was going to be a really effective backup point guard. I'd rather them go after and sign Isaiah Thomas, to be honest with you, uh, if that if this was the production they were going to get out of Jeff Teague. Trisha Thompson's been okay. Uh, it's just so much like mi- mi- mismatched parts that they don't have a capable shooter. And, and, Let's be honest, they hung on to guys that they should have um, not, probably not. They, they 
Danny Ainge clung to these roster spots. Javante Green, Carson Edwards, like, I can't give these guys up. No way. And so you pass on guys who might have been able to help you, and this is where we are. You've got these guys still around, and they help you one game. They don't help you the next. Well, Gary, did, wait a minute real quick. Did you just say you would prefer uh, an Isaiah Thomas reunion with the Celtics? I mean, if they were going to get this kind of production out of Jeff T. I would have preferred they sign Isaiah Thomas, and I think he could have done better than this. And I'm not uh, against Jeff Teague. In Atlanta, he was great during those years when the Hawks were winning games in the top of the East, and he was a point guard. And even last year, when he was with the Timberwolves, he was good, averaging 14 points a game. He just he's, – he's lost his ability to score from the two-point range. He's unsure of himself. He's got some D&Ps now. Brad doesn't have – like – it's like this is the worst case scenario when you have a 32-year-old guy. You want that guy to come in and produce. And Teague is now like a rookie. Like he's like, uh, should I shoot? Okay, I'm open. Yeah. You know, against the Hawks, like he literally like drove into the lane and then against Clint Capella, and he tried to pump fake and Capella did not move. And then <laughs> Capella, and he just tried to throw it and Capella blocked the shot. It was just like that's kind of how it's gone for him. And either you, A, try to give him a shot to work this out, or B, move on or try to do, make some other personnel moves to an upgrade because they can't have that. Uh, Gary, Danny says it's, like, not good enough. It, this just isn't good enough, this team, to win a title. So I'll, I'll give him that. I'll give him that. He's, like, taking ownership for a lot of these issues. You wrote about Ainge needing to get Tatum and Brown some help. So how does he fix this roster right now? Well, remember today, the $28.5 million trade extension, I'm sure everybody's heard about. They're going to have to try to use that, and, and that's kind of a coupon. Like, they can trade – use part of that to trade for a player and not have to give up a player in return. They probably, they could, they could give up a first round pick. Danny's going to have to part likely with a first round pick or some second rounders. Um, and, you know, there's going to be guys who are bought out your Blake Griffins, things like that. I'm not saying bring, bring in Blake Griffin, but there's going to be guys over the last next few weeks. who are going to be bought out that you might want to bring in. You're going to have to part with some of these guys on your bench that you hoped would, would be successful, it just hasn't worked out. You're going to have to do something. Like, you can't keep all these guys and then add more guys. Like, you, your yeah. roster's full, right? Mm -hmm. So, you can't do that. There's going to have to be some changes. And Danny's going to have to admit, hey, I might have made a couple of draft mistakes, and it's time to move on. For, for Danny Ainge, though, what has been his holdup? Why has he drug his feet as much as he has? Because you're at a point now where you have so many, uh, all of these things are compounded. And here we are with a roster of what you said is mismatched pieces. It's, it's throwing everything and just seeing what sticks. What is it going to take for Danny Ainge to actually pull the trigger and be Trader Danny? Oh, wow. I think, I mean, it's hard because... He wants the right deal, but as we saw, like with Indiana, where Gordon Hayward wanted to go to the Pacers, there was a deal on the table to send him to the Pacers, and Danny didn't want it. And that's probably buyer's 
you know, he probably regrets that. It was Miles Turner and Doug McDermott. He wanted Victor Oladipo or T.J. Warren. I feel like he's uh, so patient. worried about overpaying. You know? Yeah, I think. Yeah, what is his holdup? Danny doesn't want to get burned, and he's he's not gotten burned in deals. Um, you know, over the last few years, you could say he got burned by the Sixers for swapping picks, and they got Matisse Thybul, who's like a capable three and D guy, defensive player, uh, really part of their rotation. And this the Celtics were able, you know, swapped first round picks, and they got Grant Williams, and then they. They got a second round pick to take Carson Edwards. You could say that Danny's just really particular about making deals. He's not one of these, you know, oh, it's Trader Danny. Like, not necessarily. Um, I just, I just feel like if you wait around too long, you got to risk it for the biscuit sometimes, ooh. and he's not doing it. He's well, not. I mean, he's like Horner. Like Horner Danny a, now. He's a not two, even Trader two Danny. Two sides of that. There's like risking it, and then there's how did how how could you have made that deal by. Uh, the Celtic faithful two or three years later when it blows up in your face. So, you know, I think that there's always kind of a risk there, but Danny's got to take some risk here. I yeah. think they've been way too conservative. I think they've all these draft, these wealth of draft picks. All we heard were these draft picks, these draft picks. They, they held on to most of them. They didn't, they're, they're going to package them for an Anthony Davis, going to package them for an all-star. They're going to take a team that's, that's struggling and give them picks. They're going to bring back a superstar and they're going to add and they're going to win championship. Like it hasn't worked out. It hasn't happened. Nah. Like they, they held on to most of these picks or they traded them or whatever in a, in a, like, you know, to get lower picks or whatever they've, they've done. They haven't gotten besides Brown and Tatum. They haven't gotten a super difference making player with drafting. I mean, Robert Williams, potentially Grant Williams is, is, is has been solid, but remember, Grant Williams is the first round pick. You know, he wasn't some, they didn't find him off the street. <laughs> you know, like Grant Williams was taken ahead of some really, really good players. So, you know, you can say Grant Williams has worked out, uh, you know, but has Carson Edwards worked out as, you know, I mean, they really like Javante Green, but he's occupying a roster spot. Could you find better? Like, and they haven't done any better. The, the veterans, like they haven't gotten guys in, in, in Boston who can just like, I, you know, I bring Garrett Temple because he's kind of, kind of thinking about saying him, but like professional guy to come off the bench. I know what to do. You don't have to coach me up. I know what I play defense. I know how to hit a three-pointer. I know what to do in my minutes. Like they don't have those guys. Dude, they need to get Peyton Pritchard some help right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's the, yeah. I mean, could you imagine like <laughs> – we would never imagine all the like what he's done, and like he has done so much. I mean, he's expect. I mean, that's a good. That was a good pick from Danny Ainge. Yeah, uh, that's a good one. He has he has completely like uh, exceeded expectations, and now it's like well, now we're ex folks are expecting him to be like it's like hey, I'm 22. I just got here. How, you know, I'm supposed to drive the bus. Like yeah. you know, that's the thing. <laughs> it's it, it's. It's a lot, and that's that's fault. That's the fault of management. It's uh, those so Eugene ties. That that's 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 why that pick worked out. Uh, Gary, so you're you're talking about you know a difference maker needing to come in here, and and Danny needing to go out and get that difference maker. So, what would the Celtics need to give up in order to get that individual? Well, if they use a tr the trade exception, they just probably need to give up like a uh, draft picks, like a first round pick. Okay. 
Okay, because they don't have to take now they'll be in the luxury tax and all that. That's a whole different story. Whether whether management wants to be in the luxury tax or they want to pay those extra dollars to put a, a team on the floor, that's a whole that's a wick growth spec question. Um, whether they're willing to do that for two or three years, because then there's the repeater tax and it gets higher and all that stuff, right? So um, they don't have to give anything up. Their their more most tradable contract is Marcus Smart because it makes like 12, 13 million. That's not, I mean, it, for us, that's uh, happy days are here again. We're quitting our jobs tomorrow money. But for NBA players, that's a manageable, movable salary. Like that's a, oh, that's not that bad. That's not that much. Like, you know, that's just the way professional sports is. So Marcus has the most tradable deal. So you, so teams obviously will maybe ask for him if you're going to make a deal and you want to trade a player because he, he, he has the most value on the market. Like no one's going to take Kimball Walker's 30 something million. And, you know, unless you take someone else's back contract back or something like that, like it's because it's just the way it works. So you use the trade exception, you give up a draft pick, you get a difference making player who is interesting because with 10 playoff spots, now remember they like this whole play in tournament in the bubble. So they added two more teams to the playoff chase. So now 20 of the 30 teams, two thirds of the league will be in the playoffs, um, you know, including the play in. So now you got a lot of teams that think that there's, there's still buyers, like they're trying to make the playoffs. Even teams like Washington and Orlando, who you think are bad are not that far from that 10th spot. So if, if their management says, Hey, I want to, I want to get into that play in, I want that playoff money. We've been losing money like crazy because no fans and COVID I want in, then that limits the number of sellers out there. Because right now, like you look, Minnesota and Detroit are like really the only teams that you're like, okay, they had no shot at making the playoffs, you know, probably, but the rest of the teams have a shot. So like, Oh, let's get Harrison Barnes from Sacramento. The Kings are trying to get it to play. The Kings have been rebuilding for 13, 15, 18 years. Like, They've been rebuilding since Chris Weber. They don't want to go back to the lottery. So they want to make the playoffs. So when are they going to be, are they going to be sellers eventually? And like, let's say offer Harrison Barnes, and are they just going to take a first round pick back for that? Like it, it, it gets complicated because of this system, but Danny's got to do something. Emerson, he's got to do something. He's got to do something that is like, significant because it's to the point now where I mean everyone knows the limitations of this roster he even admitted it it's 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 time yeah he I mean he accepted the blame he took that blame off of Brad Stevens shoulders because that is the roster that he gave Brad Stevens to work with and and we're seeing some adjustments with some of these lineups and a lot of it's out of his hands because of either COVID protocols or injuries right now. You can't even get the starting five out there together. There's no consistency. Um, I have to ask you this because part of our job is holding players, teams accountable for what is going on, especially when you've been to so many Eastern conference finals and this is what you're putting out the year after going back to the Eastern Conference Finals. So you wrote that players are tuning out Brad Stevens. What gave you that belief? 
I, the effort against Washington, like there's this game that you expect them to come out with more fire. Like the Washington game was a pathetic performance. Um, the Wizards are not a good team. You know, it, it's the same thing. Okay, Washington has one really, really good player in Black Bradley Bill. One. So you need to come. Yes. And, and, and one former one in Russell Westbrook. Okay, so the goal is to make things tougher on Bradley Beal. You don't let him just get easy shots. The effort wasn't there. Guys running the floor uh, for the Wizards for easy layups because the Celtics didn't get back on defense. That's tuning out the coach. Do I think that, that it's permanent? No, I don't think it's permanent. I just think that they are just like, they're exhausted, tired, and probably the, the message just did not get through for the for these games. Like their effort, you know, some of the times their effort or they're just blowing leads so quickly, uh, just lapses in games, that's not good. And so I'm not calling at all for Bradley. I think Bradley does a solid job as coach. Do I think he could do better? Yes. Do I think that everybody could do better in that organization? Yes. But do I think that, that there's times that they're tuning him out? Yes. Do I think that there's times they're just not listening and they're lack of these lackadaisical things and guys taking bad shots and uh, Tatum so focused on scoring that he forgets about defense and Jalen forgets feel, feels forgotten about the offense at times and you know yeah and then there's Kimba struggles and trying to bring Kimba back into the fold and get him mentally right and things like that. And then is Daniel Tice turning into, is he a three-point shooter? Now suddenly he's launching threes. <laughs> like, there's just a lot of like, do your job. Uh, I'll go Belichick on you guys. Do your job <laughs> as opposed to doing too much. No hero ball. No pull, like, against, um, against the Pistons. Open shot for Daniel Tice, three-pointer. He hasn't hit one all night. Chance to tie after being down 12. He takes a hero ball three, misses. Sadiq Bay comes back and hits a three. That's what I'm talking about. Like, you let Sadiq Bay hit seven threes. Like, eventually you've got to adjust to say, uh, okay, we're going to stop this guy. <laughs> you know, like that's, that's, the funnel, that's the fundamental issue here. Same with Trey Young. You know, Trey Young. He's going to roam, he's going to dribble, and he can shoot at any time. You trap to get the ball out of his hands. Like, as I, as I you know, like, the, the Hawks are good. Trey's good, but the Hawks are 12 and 16. So 16 teams have figured out a way to beat the Hawks with Trey Young going nuts, right? Yeah. Why couldn't the Celtics make these adjustments? Why do you let him go for 40? And then the night after, Jokic goes for 43. Like, those are embarrassing. You have to be insulted by these things. You have to be insulted when Donovan Mitchell's strutting after three points. Like, this team has to show more toughness and more pride. And I don't know if Brad can teach that. I don't think that that's – but, like, that's the problem. Like, you know, aren't you embarrassed when this these kind of things happen, when a guy goes for 40 the yeah. night after a guy goes for 43 on you? To me, that, that's embarrassing. Yeah. Yeah, it's How happened, long? I think, 13 times this year where they've let a player go off for 30 plus and it's just the end game adjustments. It's where, where are they? And that, that would make me, and especially when you're looking at their faces and you can see the frustration in the post game press conferences that, I mean, for Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown right now, 
they have to be just begging for help. I just don't know how how quick of a solution is out there. Are we going to have to buckle in for the long haul, Gary? Yeah, I mean, I think that the, the organization is going to take its time. And I'm talking about like they're going to wait, try to wait for the right deal and not do anything hasty. But I think the Celtics have to get over the fact that like we're the Celtics and we do everything right and we have. Like they have made some 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 mistakes in, in assessing talent over the, over the last several years, uh, draft picks. It's like they are not this like. I think they're kind of taking that Patriots type of mentality. We know what's right, and you guys, none of you other knucklehead twenty nine other teams don't. And the same thing in you know with the NFL, you other thirty one team. We think Tom Brady's done. You. You'll find out, and then we found out, right? Yeah, like, we did. You, you know, you know uh, we know when a guy's done. We know when he wouldn't fit. We know, and I think there's a tense, a sense of arrogance there in the organization because of some pre- previous success that they have to get over. Yeah, like this team, ha- this organization, the front office has to kind of, you know, figure out and maybe reassess how it's doing some things because. You know, you can't just the, the perfect deal is not going to crawl in your in your lap and, and tap you and say, "Hey, I'm here." You look at the other teams, guys. Like, yeah, you got to make it making moves. The yeah. the Nets signing one guy mm-hmm. one week, like the net like teams are constantly the winners. The big time teams are constantly figuring out ways to improve. You don't see that from the. I'm not saying Danny needs to just do something, but it does motivate your guys when you're like when 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 the constant searches on for like hey this is how we're going to get better i mean you look at the said the nets you know sign a guy one day bring in another guy you trade for hard like they're just they're moving they're making moves and yeah the same with the lakers like you're always seeking to improve yourself what about the celtics like they're just they've stood pat been too complacent hey how long until jason tatum and jalen brown won out the two faces of your franchise if nothing changes, how, I, I didn't. I, I didn't hear that, Emerson. How long until Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown won out? I don't think. I think there. It's a long way from that. But I do think they understand that they need. They need help. And if it's Kimba and Kimba, some returns to form, it could be it. And Marcus, who knows? Like when Kimba's healthy and, and ready to go, he'll play tonight against the Hawks. And then Marcus Smart, maybe they'll be a lot better. We don't know. The thing is, unfortunate part is you don't know what to expect from Kimba on a nightly basis. You don't know if Kimba's going to really lift them tonight to win. They need to win this game. They go on a three-game road trip to New Orleans, Dallas, and then back to Atlanta. I mean, they could they could be under 500 um, when all this is done. And then they come back home to Indiana. Like, this is – the schedule is not easy. And then the games that were easy – Detroit and Washington, they botched. So that was supposed to be two dubs right there, especially if you beat Toronto. That's the thing. And if you're anything, they come back and beat Tor- Toronto, just beat Milwaukee pretty handily twice. And the Celtics beat Toronto by 14 points a week ago. And it's like, they, and, and now we're here. So if you're the, if you're the Celtics, I don't think they're risking like losing Brown, but I do think Brown and Tatum are frustrated. I think they do look at each other and go, man, we're just getting beat up. We're not getting to the free throw line and we're not getting a lot of help. Like, you know, 
it, it, it's, it's to the point of like, get these guys some help. Yeah. I am impressed with Jason Tatum, what he's able to do. And he was open with the fact that he's still having some breathing issues right now. Um, when you heard that, Gary, what went across your mind? Well, I mean, obviously COVID-19 is very serious, very serious. And I think that unfortunately we have expectations that these athletes, oh, they get over it. It's real quick. They'll be back on the floor and, and go back and play. But there's lingering effects um, for some of these guys. So I'm, I'm not surprised, you know, and I, and I think it was good for, for Jason to admit that because I think it's a warning to, that this is not anything to mess around with. This is not just the, the, the flu or people have said or just something that you get over and you keep it moving. Oh, I didn't have any symptoms. I'm fine. I didn't feel anything like, no, some of these guys are having real issues or, or not the same. I mean, we looked at the bubble. There were several players, you know, Mo Bamba, uh, Kendrick Dunn that were literally affected for weeks from COVID. We're just never the same players in the bubble or couldn't even return to play. So I think it was good for Jason to admit that hopefully he gets his, um, you know, complete, system back working completely normal because there's a lot of pressure on him and just mm -hmm. as a young man i mean he's 22 years old he's a dad so uh, you want to see him as healthy as possible but i think that that was interesting that he admitted that yeah um uh, and this is a pro athlete too that you know this is a guy that's putting in hard physical activity each and every day and like i said he's still producing but for him to be that young and that healthy and yet still have complications from that. It, it's, it makes it very, very real. I hope it does for some people at least, but uh, Gary, we appreciate all the time this morning. Uh, I know it's, it's, it's fun covering a winning team. It's not fun covering a team that's struggling right now and, and having all these issues and uh, you can see well, it on their face. We have something to talk about. That's nice. <laughs> it is. It's true. It is something to talk about, but we like, we like talking about winning around here uh, in Boston. But, Gary, thank you so much for the time. Uh, we'll chat soon. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Later, dude. Later. Thank you. All right, Emerson, you want to send this thing home? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we're going to send this home. And that was a great, uh, great conversation with, uh, with Gary. Ended up uh, taking us kind of inside and behind the scenes. Because, like, we were talking yesterday. It was interesting, right, the other night during the press conference, yeah. watching Brad Stevens kind of uh, – Get a little disgruntled with Gary. I think he's been reading some of uh, what Gary's been writing. I think a lot of these guys have been paying attention to Gary's words and other media members because they're taking notice of they need a new attitude. So you're yeah. kind of having them throw these jabs in their post-game press conferences. And right now, to me, it's just like, guys, focus on what the hell you are doing, like on the court. Who cares what the media, what green teamers, what everyone is saying? Yeah. You guys, you need to fix this right now. Because yeah, it, it screams to me like rebuilding. And this is just, that's just gross. Because you have two of the best young players on the planet on your team. This is a team that went to th three Eastern Conference finals in four years. Yeah. I mean, to see the, it's, it's because it's a combination of things. And, and like Gary was talking about, all this stuff has been happening slowly over years, over like, ah, we could have done that deal, but we didn't because it wasn't perfect. And it's just compounded into what we're seeing right now. And obviously the injuries, the lack of consistency, you cannot get your starting five out there together, healthy all at the same time. So all of this together 
is just giving us a still a 500 team, but that's not going to be good enough. That's like, like Danny Ainge said, that is not a contender. It's a playoff team, but it's not a contender. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's been interesting. And it, also players, coaches, they read everything that media writes. They sometimes might say they don't, and they say that they don't care. They truly do care. And who can fault them? I go diving into the comment section sometimes of what I tweet out and mm. I care what other people mm. think. So it, it's just human nature, but um, I don't, I don't know what's going to be the solution for this Celtics team. Cause uh, Jalen and Jason can only do so much. Uh, Pritchard's doing his best as a rookie. Um, but yeah, it's, it's hasn't been pretty, has not been pretty, but yeah, uh, Trade deadline, March 25th. Trader Danny, get to work. And with that, we're going to send you guys into the weekend. We'll see you guys next time.